Hello and welcome to episode 787 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday, March 2nd. It is March, oh my goodness. And I'm your host, Paul Sport, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on? If we weren't in draft season already, we definitely are now. Now we fully are. Everyone should be just fully engaged. Um, most of you are. I mean, the, the vast majority of you are. Those of you that are just getting back to the pod right now, welcome. Um, we got a lot going on. We're still talking pictures, but we got to start getting into some news. Uh, and there's starting to be some stuff that, you know, it's really difficult this time of year to separate the uh, the noise from something that, that matters. That That is always a challenge in spring training. And it comes in the information age. It's it's definitely a downside of the information age, just because you know you don't want to freak out over everything. Some of the stuff really doesn't matter, but some of it does. So we're gonna get into a few things here. Um, we'll start with that, then we'll get into pitchers sixty six through probably about eighty five today, and then we'll do one more part, and then maybe after that, maybe it'll be combined on on Wednesday. We'll do another group up to 100, and then pick a handful that we each like, because we're not going to go all the way through. You know, we can't we can't do seven <laughs> parts, I don't think. I think we'll still be doing the starting pitcher preview in April. Yeah, we still have first, second, catcher, and reliever. Of course, we're saving reliever for last, uh, if for no other reason than to let that sort out a bit, because uh, there's still some uncertainty there with closers roles. But uh, let's get into some news first. We'll start with Blake Snell and his, and his bulky elbow. He's not particularly concerned about it. Um, you know, the player rarely is, though, so we can't just go off of that. But this isn't something that outwardly uh, terrifies me right now. I'm looking at this one as as a don't move too much on Blake Snell. Full disclosure, you guys know, Blake Snell's my guy. But I'm not going to just make bad decisions based on that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to just say, well, I don't have to worry about that. Cortisone shot in the elbow, felt, felt some soreness from where the bone chips were removed. But everything's supposed to be fine. Uh, it's TBD if he's going to make opening day, but he could still make opening week. So that's why I'm not necessarily making a big move down here. What do you think about this Blake Snell elbow news? Ooh, until I see him pitch, he's kind of on the do not touch list for me. Really? Really? Going all the way there? Yeah, it's not that I'm like moving him down like my ranks or anything. It's just kind of hands off until at least he throws an outing. It can be a simulated outing. It can be any sort of outing. Uh, but, it, it, yeah, I mean, this is scary news. Like, I know it's on the outer part of the elbow, and they're saying it's not a UCL thing. It's, uh, But anytime you get a cortisone shot, anytime you have an elbow issue as a pitcher, uh, it, that scares me. I mean, we just went through this, you know, similar thing with, obviously, Different in terms of it was UCL, but Severino. I was going to say, just... from the guy who couldn't get enough Severino last year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think Snell's fallen to the tenth though. Like that's it's that's true. not it's that's true. not where he's been going in the draft that I've been dead the way Severino was. <laughs> that's true, but uh, I, I I've gone from being uh, okay with the riskiness last year to the complete opposite direction and trying to stay as risk, uh, free risk adverse as possible. So it's probably not. Yeah. And here's the thing, like this, this has this and all the other pitcher injuries we've had so far really kind of changes the landscape of starting pitcher at the top. Sure. Because now I think if you're like picking 
probably like 10 through 15, you should take a starting pitcher. Like, uh, if, if, if you were planning on waiting to the second round to grab some of these guys, a lot of guys are getting pushed up. We, we saw, like, over the weekend in an online championship, Jack Flaherty go, like, 11th overall. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, those guys, Bieber's going to get pushed up. Flaherty's going to get pushed up uh, because you've got guys like Sale and Severino and Clevenger uh, all hurt. So we're big second, third round guys. Mm-hmm. And so that what was a really kind of thick portion of like the second tier aces has just all of a sudden really thinned up for sure. And uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on, particularly if you want to get that early pitcher, as a lot of people do. And I don't blame them for wanting to do that. Let's go over to hitters uh, for a couple here. Aaron Judge and his super healthy body he got sent for testing on the shoulder. It's like a shoulder slash pec situation right now. He's slated for more tests today. Man, you talk about putting somebody on a do not draft. That's pretty much where I'm at with with Judge right now. I'm definitely laying off. Um, you know, I was on RotoWire this morning on Sirius, and I said, you know, if I'm going to take an injured Yankee slugger. Just give me Stanton at the price. Not that that's a huge endorsement of Stanton. It's mm-hmm. just a I don't want I, I I don't want Judge right now at his cost because I don't really think he's going down that much in price. How do you feel now? Because it, it really is starting to play out in a in a Stan, Stantonian sort of way. And I know Stanton had those two super healthy years. Credit to him for that. That was great. Those back to back super healthy seasons, including the one where he won MVP. But he's been, you know, he was hurt again last year. He's already nicked up with the calf strain this year. It's only been the one healthy year from Judge, and now we're starting to see things uh, fall apart a bit here, uh, including another uh, concern right now. So where where do you currently stand with Judge? Has he moved down your list at all? Are you are you still drafting him? Where he's going in the first second round? Or are you you backing or second third round? Where are you backing off? I wasn't drafting him before this. I okay. didn't understand why he was going where he was going. He was, you know, when 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 I was on podcasts or, uh, you know, doing articles or things like that, and the question came up like, "Who are you fading?" He was at the top of my list. Like, I just don't understand why he wasn't going around the same spot Stanton was, considering they have the same problems: enormous upside, huge power potential. How? But how long can they stay on the well, field for? I think I can tell you why that is, though. I mean. Stan played 18 games last year. That's that's scary. You see that, and you're, you're moving away from that rapidly. There were still 100-plus, 100 102 games last year from Judge. He still gave you 27 homers. I think it's easier to have been confident in him in a buyback of Judge versus Stanton. Yeah, they both have to, they both have to go down, and probably going to end up bypassing them when their spot comes up in my drafts at this point. And so it's a, it's almost like I can't move them down enough because I'm not going to get silly with it and like move them to like, you know, the 40th outfielder or something silly. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a, those guys that when they come up and they're tops on your list, you're like, ah, I'm going to keep inching it down. I'm going to I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to wait a little bit. And you just keep on waiting and and hoping that they keep falling a few more rounds and then you finally get confident with them um i think i need a substantial discount for both at this point okay so who would you rather have would you rather have well first of all let's start with stanton and judge who would you rather have out of those two well currently stanton just by virtue of him being cheaper 
just okay. simply by that. Let's, let's say they were the same price. Judge. Okay. So judge. So would you rather have Judge or Jorge Soler? I think I'm going to take Soler, man. Okay. Uh, judge or Gallo? I, I knew that one was coming. I thought that one was actually going to be the first one. I, um, man, I, I'm laboring on it. Sorry for mm-hmm. the dead air. It's just like, I'm, I think I'm just going to take Gallo. Yeah. And he, I mean, he has his own injury issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, he I, th- missed- I think that's the point for me. I think it's in between Solaire and Gallo. Just yeah, because... somewhere in there. But he's not, I don't think he's going to drop down there. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't either. I don't think, and so I don't think Judge gonna... is going to drop to that point, and Stanton probably needs to. Stanton definitely needs to drop to them. Uh, that that's where I've actually got him is in that area of of power hitter. If mm-hmm. he's not if he's not down there, if Stanton's not down there, it's it's a no go. You're not you're not on the squad. Are but, you taking um, Castellanos over either of them, bro? I was you pulled the words out of my mouth. Literally, Castellanos is right there where I've moved. Um, it, it, the new ranking now, after I moved Judge down this morning, is it's Judge Castellanos Gallo. So Judge is currently on top, basically as a show of like, okay, if he proves healthy at some point in the spring, I'll still take him ahead of those two. But it's on a wire, man. And there's probably certain drafts and certain team makeups I could have where I'm like, no, let me get Castellanos on this one, Gallo on this one. And then maybe judge here. I, I'm a hundred percent right there with where, what you're talking about there. Putting putting them there, putting those guys down there where Castellanos, Gallo, and Soler are for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, and uh, I think it's. I mean, Judge still does not have a max pick of higher than fifty six. Like, there's no way I'm getting Judge it's, this year. It's not it. Something bigger more concrete would have to happen then everyone pushes him down and then mm-hmm. it's like okay then we'll take a look but at this current point it, it's not it's not there for me with judge and he was somebody i was already I, I was willing to buy back in on i wasn't fully off of him i actually was i was the opposite of you on that end but now i'm just like peeling back peeling back and a, a bit nervous let me see real quick judge went for 26 at al labor Stanton went for Soler, by the way, went for 23, just as a comparison. Stanton went for 18. So 26 to 18. Stanton went for $8 in labor mixed. In the mixed. Yeah. Yeah. That I'll do. That I would do every day. All day long, I'm doing that. Especially with the unlimited DL. Was that our own Jeff Zimmerman? I believe it was. I believe I was told that on the. on the Rotowire show today. So I was like, oh, good job on Jeff. This is, I mean, this is why he's such a good player, though. He's like, okay, yeah, of course I'll do that. He, uh, he now, knows what he's doing. Uh, absolutely. A couple guys that aren't going to be ready for opening day. One, I'm moving down a little, but only to compensate more closer to where the market is. And another that I'm out. Uh, so Andrew McCutcheon, likely not ready for opening day after coming back from the ACL injury last year. Uh, this is not, this is the one where I'm moving him down to get more in line with the market. I was actually higher. I was ready to buy back in. I kind of thought he'd be ready. This isn't necessarily like, holy crap, how are you not ready? You've you've failed uh, here. It's more of like, okay, this is right around the time anyway, you know, uh, of an ACL return. So him not being ready to me does not scream trouble. And they're talking about a couple weeks. And one of the things that that Jeff mentioned, because we talked about this on Rotowire as well, was that part of the thing that McCutcheon said and, and the team was talking about was that, 
the earlier move up in the season is part of it as well. Maybe if we got a, a late March, early April start, as opposed to a little bit earlier in March, maybe he'd be back by then. So if it's, we're talking a couple weeks here right now that he, he could be missing of cold weather anyway. I'm not really freaking out. He's not a high, high-end pick. Um, Andrew McCutcheon isn't. I'm still going to be in. Like I said, I'm just moving him down now closer to where the market has him as opposed to my my own uh, outsized like of of McCutcheon. How do you feel about his news that he's going to be a little bit pushed back because of the the knee? Uh, I'm not overly worried. And like you said, like the price isn't that uh, that high and it should go down, uh, which is uh, an even better buying opportunity. So yep. uh, I'll, maybe I'll finally get a share of Andrew. Gotcha, yeah. I've been trying to get him uh, in a number of drafts, and every time I, I put him in my queue, someone snipes me. So I think he'll drop. I'll get more shares. Uh, you know, Just got to be worried about your roster construction in terms of not loading up on too many injured players, even at the start of the season when you think, you know, guys are going to be back quick. That was, uh, that was my issue with the main event last year. So uh, I've learned my lesson there. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have some shares of McCutcheon. He, I, I, I fully expect him to be on my Tout Wars NL team. I will say, slight bummer that he's not going to be ready for opening day because they open with a four-pack in Miami. So you would avoid mm-hmm. some cold weather and you get Miami. Although their pitching isn't terrible, but you still you still want to face Miami because their bullpen isn't particularly special. But uh, that's all right. Uh, again, more of a move down to meet the market as opposed to where I had McCutcheon. Next one, though, Griffin Canning. This one was starting to work. Like, I, I would talk about him in the offseason of like, hey, you know, he's there. He could be something for the Angels. I'm not fully out on him or anything like that. Um, but I want to see what's what. We haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything. Then he comes back, and the elbow starts starts aggravating him right away. And now Joe Madden says it's hard to imagine that he's not going to start the season on the injured list. I, I think I'm out, man. Like I, I think yep. I'm just not really e- even even without a major cost. Like he's not super expensive at all. He's cheaper than than McCutcheon. I mean, we're talking further down in the draft here. No thanks. He ended the season injured last year. Um, he has, you know, what, 60 innings to begin with. Why? I, I just, you know, if I, if I lose on him and somebody gets him and, and Griffin Canning does well this year, I'll tip my cap. I'll be rooting for him because he was an interesting pitcher last year, but I'm not going all out for it. And I really just don't think I'm going to be, uh, having any Griffin Canning shares at this point. How do you feel about him and his elbow and, uh, quote unquote, unlike or hard to imagine that he'll be ready for opening day, according to Joe Madden. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him, what, on Wednesday with Nick, and you guys were much higher on him uh, in terms of where you thought he could go innings-wise. This is what I was really afraid of, yep. uh, was we could get absolutely nothing. And, and he, was, he was debuting while we were talking, right? Or he was going to mm-hmm. debut that he, day, he was, and I'm like, yeah, okay, he was, can't wait. And mm-hmm. it went poorly. I, I just injured right off the rip, and I'm just like, okay, okay. I'm, it's a quick turnaround for me, but I'm just like, okay, bye. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, if he falls in a draft to like the last round, yeah, well, you know, sure, I'll, I'll take I'll take that gamble then. But that's what it would have to take, and I just I think there will be people willing to take the shot earlier than I'm going to be. So yeah, yep. I'm probably completely out too. Yep, fully agree there. All right, let's get into some more pictures. Then we we picked up um, 
around 66th pitcher off the board in NFPC, uh, Rotowire Online Challenge uh, or Online Championship Leagues. I say about because things are shuffling, uh, but I'm making sure that we're not, uh, or I'm trying to make sure that we don't overlook anybody because they shift way up um, and, and, you know, jump to a spot that we haven't talked about or that we already talked about that they weren't included in. I think I've do, done a good job here. So let's start with the first five here. We've got Adrian Hauser, Dustin May, Ryan Yarbrough, Dylan Bundy, Sandy Alcantara. Interesting group here. A lot of mm-hmm. guys that uh, that can go a lot of different ways. Um, favorites for for all sorts of different people here as far as like, wow, I got this guy to break out. I got this guy. Uh, I will start just at the top with Adrian Hauser. You know, they really kind of managed his innings pretty heavily there with Milwaukee last year. But he was doing well. And even in the short stints, he was able to be fantasy viable and wound up with 111 innings, 111 third, 372 ERA, 124 whip, 117 strikeouts. Obviously, they have to open him up a little bit more this year. But um, do you think that he can get to, I don't know, 160 innings this year? He's 27 years old. Uh, they don't have a lot of starting pitching. So do you think that they're going to go ahead and open him up? I think they need to. I don't know that they have much of an option. That's kind of uh, what I'm thinking, right? Yeah, I think as long as he is healthy and pitching somewhat decently, uh, it should be pretty easy for him to get to 150, 160 uh, this year. I, I mean, he what he threw 132 innings between AAA and the majors last year. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them even push it to 170 Uh because, I mean, he's their number two starting pitcher coming into the year. This is not like he's fighting for a spot. Like, they they need these innings. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, it's a bit concerning that they could push him too hard uh, and he could tire out. But I think he is a guy that has a higher floor uh, than a lot of people going in the spots as he's going uh, because of that innings threshold, you know, you're going to get innings. You should get a fair amount of strikeouts. You know, I mean, if he, if he throws 160 innings, you're probably getting 160 to 180 strikeouts. You'd uh, think. So, yeah. So no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm in on Hauser. I am you know? too. I, I'm late to the party on Hauser, but uh, considering he's going where like, what's his ADP one or uh, two something. Yeah, actually, let me pull it up. I closed the tab on accident right as we were kind of getting started here. I, I moved over done. to outfielders, 242 in online championships since the beginning of February. So uh, that, to me, is a pretty uh, pretty nice buying opportunity right below Griffin Canning uh, and Caleb Smith and above Canning, the guys. Canning, by the way, if you update for today, he's mm-hmm. moving down. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like He's, he's got all, a max pick of 353. Yeah, he's already moving down. Um, he wasn't the last guy we spoke about uh, last episode. Like he wasn't the very, but obviously now he's just the top. He's right above um, Hauser, as you mentioned. And so he's already starting to move down. I think the more you kind of follow it, uh, he's gonna he's gonna start trickling down. But yeah, as far as Hauser goes, I really like him. I think uh, I think there's some some solid upside here. And again, you get to a point of. Well, where else are they going to go? Woodruff, Hauser, you know, and Anderson, Limblom, and Lowers, what they've got. They, they, they kind of punt starting pitching. I like Woodruff and Hauser. They got to get, they got to try to get 320 innings out of those two if they mm-hmm. want to do anything this year. And, and 
I, I, I think they can. It's two 27 year olds. There's no reason that they can't be pushed, um, you know, to, to new highs for both of them. We've already spoken about Woodruff a long time ago, really like him, but Hauser much cheaper too. So if maybe you're not in on, on the Woodruff experience because of the price, but you should, you should take a look at Hauser because, uh, he's, he's pretty nice and not expensive. Like he can't really hurt you too much even if things mm-hmm. don't quite pan out and he doesn't push a 160 and he maybe more of like a 110, 120 again. Yeah. Okay. So we are both in on Adrian Hauser. Now, Dustin May is one of those, if only he would have been involved in a trade or something. If he was on a different team, I might be a little bit more interested for 20. You know, for the long term, I still like him. But he finds himself as a Dodger, which really puts him up in the air for – Anything innings count-wise. They have Kershaw, Buehler, Price, Alex Wood, Arias, Stripling still. Thanks, Angels. Idiots. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, uh, May, and then, um, you know, our boy Jimmy Nelson. We're working his way back. It's not a major, major factor right now, but could, could come into play at some point. So does May even start the season in the majors, or do they have they, – they, Kind of have to keep them in AAA to keep them on a, on a schedule, don't they? On a on a five day schedule. Yeah, I think they've already said that he's going to be starting the year in the minors, okay. and he's dealing with a side issue right now. Oh, um, so like I I don't I think there is a zero percent chance he's in the majors before June. Uh, and so that being said, like there's no way I'm drafting him. Like it's just I'm just nope. you know I'll I'll wait for people to drop him i'll wait for fabapalooza for when he gets yes. called up uh yeah just there's too much there's too much noise inside of the dodgers pitching staff and rotation especially uh and with him dealing with an injury you know with no clear you know role uh for him and for them saying they want him to be a starting pitcher so they're not going to send him down and make him pitch like three inning stints or kind of you know make him a long relief guy or a power reliever like they want him to be a starter long term and that is the game plan for 2020 as well it's just going to be in Oklahoma City so yep uh, I'm sure he'll get called up at some point and at that point I'll run to the waiver wire like everybody else and drop fab on him then but it's not going to be at the cost of a you know top 250 draft pick this is a remarkably NFBC-specific NFBC idea here, but keep an eye on this. There's going to be – so in NFBC, you cannot pick up a minor leaguer before he's called up mm-hmm. unless somebody rosters him and then cuts him. Then, yes. then he's back in the pool. There are going to be leagues where people get Dustin May. A lot of leagues. As, as you mentioned, they, they'll eventually – cut him because they realize, oh, this is taking way too long. I thought this was going to be like a late April thing. It's looking more like an early June thing. He gets cut, then he's available. Be ready to pounce. Keep a close eye on what's going on. Try to get that week early type deal. Get him for two bucks as opposed to when he does get called up. You know, And then maybe you hold him for a little bit, but you kind of play that that game. It's, it's a tough game, admittedly. And again, it, this is NFBC specific based on their rules. But for those leagues where he does get picked up, Dustin May does, and then cut, he is then free game. And if you start feeling like, okay, he's doing too well, Alex Wood is nicked up, okay, freaking, I'm going to go for it and take him 
you know, in May 24th, instead of waiting until early June, you could sneak them for a few bucks cheap. And just keep an eye on that for all prospects who get drafted and then eventually cut. Um, I know Kyle Tucker was a guy like that a lot last year, so he was kind of routinely being (laughs) – now everyone kept picking him up thinking that, okay, June's now the time. Oh, wait, this guy named Jordan wants to pronounce it Jordan. What? what? This guy's coming up. Okay, whatever. You know, every time something happened, Tucker wasn't the guy who came up. But people tried it a lot last year with Tucker. So just be mindful of that. Again, the NFBC-specific move there could be interesting for May if you can time it uh, nicely. Let's move on to Ryan Yarbrough. Yarbrough and Torinos are always close. In fact, uh, I think Torinos will be – actually, he's two groups away. He's a little bit further away. Um, To me, I kind of pair them. I I, I keep them very tight in my rankings together. I just see them very similarly as like a lefty-righty duo of sorts. You know, Yarbrough, it doesn't get talked about as much that that he doesn't throw hard uh, because he throws, you know, 88, 89 but I think part of that is because he doesn't really throw his fastball, and so that's why it's not that big of a deal. He threw fastballs 24% of the time last year. He's more of a, a cutter, change-up, slider guy. But he's just putting up quality work, man. He's now got 289 innings of a 402 ERA and a 115 whip. Doesn't strike out a ton of guys with the 21% mark, but doesn't walk guys. Um, always seems to, or not always, it's only been two years, but goes on a run where he's really, really pitching well. I don't know. I kind of like Yarbrough, and I don't think that the market overrates him. So I think that's a reason why I continue to say, hey, I'll catch a share of him. I don't mind. But what do you think about Ryan Yarbrough with the uh, with the Rays and, and how they kind of maneuver things and um, where his innings are likely to be kind of capped around this 140 marker that he's been at the last couple of years? I love Yarbrough from a real-life perspective, and I love what the Rays do from a real-life perspective, and I think it works. I think they do a really good job with him. Uh, Chirinos and the rest of their staff. Uh, that being said, for fantasy, I'm just not interested. Like, there's just not the upside that warrants taking a guy who might throw 120 innings. And so I, I'm just going to, I'd much rather take a shot on some of the guys in later tiers uh, that we're going to talk about, uh, or even, you know, you know, Hauser or, you know, Al- Alcantara, who we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, as opposed to taking a guy that I just don't see the upside with. Uh, and it's just not, a, I mean, I guess it, it's a fairly safe floor, but it's just very unsexy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty bland. You're really drafting, you're kind of drafting like whip upside, which is always always feels kind mm-hmm. of weird. And we've talked about this a but bit. But it's a where, forgotten category. Yeah, and it gets a little uh, undercovered there that, oh, he's a, he's a whip god even though the ERA is a little bit high, 391, 413 the last two years for uh, for Ryan Yarbrough. I think what really holds him back, if you were kind of getting whip and strikeouts, that'd be one thing. Mm-hmm. But you're really just getting whip, and then you're hoping that the the wins have been great. He has 27 in the last two years. That's been awesome. Part of that is is being the, the follower, but he really started, uh, he really became more of a starter last year with a lot of his outings coming at just as regular starts, I almost prefer him with an opener. You know, that mm-hmm. that makes the win counts better for Chirinos and Yarbrough. So keep an eye on how they do that. If they do put him as a full-on follower uh, more often, then I think you are getting whip and and a good bet on wins. Like that, and, and wins are difficult. But once he went back to fully starting uh, his last... Let's see, nine games here. 
nine starts, he went one in three. Only four, only four, uh, only four decisions there. He was eleven and three before that, or excuse me, ten and three. So that tells you how it works with with Yarbrough. If he has a if he has an opener, and and they announce that that's going to be a thing, I'm interested. If not, I become a little less interested. But I don't mind what he does if he falls closer to a max, which is pick three oh nine. I can see myself getting it. I understand why you passed, though, and I don't want to belabor too much on Ryan Yarbrough, but he is pretty boring. Basically bland innings if you want to help your whip a little bit. Dylan yep. Bundy, however, <laughs> somebody I can't quit because I'm, I'm I'm a dumb person. I'm just a really dumb person. Yeah, you um, just hate life. So, But Dylan Bundy's slider is still so sexy, dude. Oh, it's so good. Um, he has seven strikeouts in four spring innings. With uh, it, he's so good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, God, it's it, I'm gonna fall for this crap again, dude. And I, yeah, you I'm, are. I'm not. You know, I'm out. I, I I'm still in, man. Why why wouldn't I be at this price? Like 248 on the ADP, ranging from 182 to 291. I don't really want to be in that uh, inside the 200 mark. So if that is where he's going, if he starts to trickle up and and go there regularly, okay, I'll, I will I will peel back on Bundy. I'm not gonna get stupid with it. But I think anything after 200, I'm open for. Um, I still, you know, I'm eager to see what he does outside of Baltimore. The strikeouts are there. Um, I think this is a halfway decent team, so I don't think his wins are going to be, you know, awful. Again, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to mention wins for every every guy. I don't want to get into that habit because this is so difficult to predict. But the ERA and WHIP, obviously, we don't know what we're going to get, and they've both been bad throughout his career. I was like. Between the two, he has like one decent ERA back in 16 of 402 and one decent whip, a 120 in 17. So it's not a lot of goodness here for Dylan Bundy, but there's still a lot of arm talent. 27 years old. I feel like we can get some good strikeouts. That's why I'm open to taking a shot after pick 200. Anything before, can't do it. You're out, but why? I I just think that there's so much downside. We've seen the downside with him uh, and... I'd much rather fall for another lottery ticket. Uh, you know, guys like Dylan Cease, Mackenzie Gore, uh, Descalfani, Garrett Richards, then go back to the well on a guy that wait, 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 just... wait, 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 yes. You are not about to make fun of me about Dylan Bundy and then say, I'd rather go for another lottery ticket and include the name Garrett fucking Richards and just let that fly. You do not I, think I, that I'm going to sit here and just be like, okay, he's just saying normal names. He's not saying a guy who has continually burned the living hell out of us. But it's been an injury burn. Like he's shown it, like it, that he could be a, a very, very good. Possible. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a total injury burn. But at least when he gets injured, you can cut bait and run away. With, like Dylan Bundy is like he's count. gonna he like the counter here is you could you're gonna get 170 innings from Dylan Bundy maybe even close to 200 considering the Angels rotation depth yeah. um but those 170 innings may sink your entire season you may only get 70 not, innings from Garrett Richards go but, that far uh, there's a, there's a cut that's point right team. I'm, he I'm had 174 kept, innings of a full 45. Nobody you did. You, you did. No, I, I mean. Nobody kept him that long. But but your point, like, 
it, it, it's it's a little bit harder to let go of your lottery ticket when he's pitching if, you, if you're seeing anything like an 18 i think it was easy to get rid of him although the devastating thing about bundy is how if, if you don't remember the breakdown that year um and i i knew it was up and down i didn't know the specifics so i had to pull up the the game logs april 297 era you're like yes dude i did it i got bundy what a stud 612 in may which you ate all of it there's no way you didn't 198 in june and then 711 in the second half just and the hard part is devastated. probably didn't get a lot of the June action because you were well, so because you were exactly no that's the, that's the scary and then, part and then you buy back in and then you eat all of like the bad crap again so it's eat July but yeah so with Garrett Richards usually when he's when it's it's not usually bad like last year was but that was coming back from injury who cares nobody was rostering that when he's even even the three years of sixteen through eighteen has been. Um, Let's see here, 138 and two-thirds of a 305 ERA, 122 whip. And we'll get more into – actually, I guess this will, will – uh, Richards is not – oh, yeah, yeah, it's coming up in the next section. This kind of qualifies as our Richards section. Okay. But, um, yeah, when somebody has a health issue, you could cut, replace. When it's somebody like Dylan mm-hmm. Bundy who's kind of keeping you hanging on a little bit, um, that can be more dangerous. You're right. I, I hear you on that. But, you know – I'm just going to be real dumb and just take both. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, and, you know, since we're talking about Richards here in kind of this spot, like, I, I mean, I'm not, I haven't gotten a ton of shares of Garrett Richards, but, like, I really like considering where he's going and his contract situation with the, uh, the Padres, who paid him out a two-year, $15.5 million deal for last year and this year and got, what, like, eight innings last year or whatever, yeah. whatever it was? Um, they are going to ride. They do not give two shits about (laughs) how healthy he is. They are going to get every inning out of that arm, uh, that they can like, like the, the projection systems have him for like all over the place. Like zips has him for 56 innings. Uh, steamer has him for 148, both depth charts and the bat 160 ATC 109. Like I'm totally buying the 160. They are just like they're gonna ride it until his arm falls off to get their money's worth, uh, and so like I'm here for that because the moment it pops, you you drop him for the next guy. But yeah. in in the dream scenario that he puts up a, I mean, all he's got to do is put up like the same numbers we saw in 2018 over the course of 150 innings, and you just got a guy who probably performed as your SP three this late in the draft. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, and he, he is if in it the doesn't, next... you just drop him for whoever. Well, especially if he gets hurt again, and that mm-hmm. that is the easy cutout for somebody like Garrett Richards. And he is in the next section, so that that we didn't bump him up too far to talk about him there. But let's finish this section and talk about Sandy Alcantara, a guy that uh, I've become a bit enamored with over this off season. Here, I got to be honest, I wasn't paying full on attention to him last year, and then I kind of look up and 197 and a third. Innings with a 388 ERA, 132 whip, not enough strikeouts. So that, that's definitely a, a major issue. And I don't know that you can really project major growth there. Like, it's, it's, his style is just not conducive to it. So you can't overly project some strikeout growth just because he throws hard. I think that that's a, a, a mistake that people make. Well, he throws 96 plus, you know, so he should start getting strikeouts. No, he throws a lot of really strong sinkers. He does have... Some swing and miss potential, though. Um, 
particularly with that with that slider, if he could turn that into more of a uh, of a you know finishing pitch, perhaps there is some upside with his strikeout rate. But I would not put him. You know, if you could get a twenty two percent strikeout rate, mm-hmm. that that would work. But what I'm actually looking at as as a positive here is I love seeing a guy who's you know done the uh, thirty two turns, had a solid ERA. If he can chisel down that whip a little bit, and um, you know, be a big innings guy with a solid ERA and whip combo, I'll forego the strikeouts and and make sure I get them elsewhere. Uh, if I feel like Sandy Alcantara can be a, a ratio stabilizer, he can be 24 years old. I don't think he's a finished product. I just don't want to go overboard on on strikeout upside. But I like Sandy Al- Alcantara and uh, his sinking ways. Usually, I want guys that that can miss bats more. But I, I'm not going to run from somebody who does it a little bit differently. And I, I think there's some uh, there's some upside here with Sandy Alcantara this late. Yeah, I, I love Sandy Alcantara, and I do think there is more strikeout potential, uh, especially if maybe he changes the pick, pitch mix um, a, you know, a little bit. I really like the changeup. I'd like to see him throw it a little bit more. Uh, you, know, you mentioned the sinker uh, has been good for him. Uh, I think he is a guy that could take a step forward. Now, I don't think he's going to take a step forward in the way that someone in TGFBI did when they took him ahead of Zach Gallen as like, you know, a top Wait, 30 starting pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it happened. Pardon? <laughs> yeah. I can actually look up probably uh, exactly where because uh, if you haven't checked out uh, Smada's sheet, I just so showed it to Paul. It, it's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, if you go over to uh, Smada, you can go to TGFBI.com, hit the standings uh, tab and hit the link that way. Or if you're not following Smada on Twitter, at uh, Smada underscore bb that's s m a d a underscore bb adams backwards uh, yes um he, he he's like what he does is amazing and so uh he's got 21 in league 13 there it is okay so yeah oh. okay yes some someone's eyeing him okay. um so i i don't know who that someone is but someone is high on him. Oh, no. I like this, dude. This is so grimy. You can tell. Uh, see, everyone gets in a slow draft and starts whining about how f- slow it's going. But at least you know, weren't one of the dickheads in League 2 or 7 that took Luis Severino. <laughs> They're the only two well, leagues that took him. So the news came out after. So, uh, uh, Yeah. like uh, So one of the guys was Eric Cross of Fantrax, didn't he who had the flu. Him? Yeah. yeah, he got flew and got auto draft, uh, auto drafted while he was sick. Um, so and then uh, oh, so was okay. Did the other guy was in my, nope. The other guy was in my league. I I don't. I think he just woke up and didn't check the news. Oh, that's tough. That's yeah, tough. so it's brutal. So you said you said that uh, Alcantara went what pick one, in one twenty one in league thirteen. 121 so god that's like uh very high it's okay all right so it was team number one oh wow oh wow his his pitching staff is is, uh yeah yeah also has james paxton right before that or no, somebody took James Paxton right yeah no but he he it's his number two starter by noah syndergaard Okay, I mean, Noah Syndergaard's a god, so don't say anything bad about him. But uh, it's, 
Uh, it's someone I really like in the industry, too. It's Alex Becky uh, of Baseball oh, HQ. Oh, I love Alex, yeah. Like, he's a super sharp dude. I do not like that pitching staff, though. It's, it's yeah, it's... Uh, Who's he got behind uh, Alcantara? He's got Syndergaard, uh, Aroldis Chapman, Alcantara, Quintana, Kopech, and Pearson. That is not a lot of guaranteed innings. No, that's yeah, that's the tough part is is the scariness of it. That offense, though, Trout, Alonzo, Javier Baez, Rizzo, Josh Bell, Kepler, Will Smith, Gavin Lux, Upton, Adele. Okay, doing a lot of good things there. Um, you know, Wander Franco was picked in the inside the top two hundred in the league, right? League five. Do we, do we know who did that? No, we can't just go through exposing people. All right, all right, all right. Sorry, 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 sorry. I can Sandy totally Alcantara. expose people. I know, I know, I know. It was, it was pick 175 in League 5. I'm a bad person. I really want to know, but I really we have to move on. But um, Sandy Alcantara. Sandy Alcantara, we like him. Um, it's a team fit kind of thing, right? You're loaded on strikeouts everywhere else, and you want to take a shot on somebody like Alcantara, do it. Um, if you're already light on case, I would not compound that by taking him because I don't think there's, again, not a ton of strikeout upside. There's a little bit based on some pitch mix shifts or even just kind of maximizing his 11% swinging strike rate more than he did last year. But we like him. Uh, let's move on to 71 through 75. It's John Gray, Aaron Savale, Chris Archer, Anthony Desclafani, and the already discussed Garrett Richards. Did you find <laughs> out who did it? Yeah, it's one of my guys. It's uh, uh, Mike Anthony uh, used to go by Mike the Rotocop. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it took him uh, in, in League Five. Mike the uh, Prospect yeah. Cop? Yeah, I, I don't. That's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, if you want to take the shot on Franco thinking he's going to be up at some point, I just don't think you got to take it that early. That's the thing. That, that's <laughs> really the only thing about it is that it just doesn't have to be done that early. Yeah. But, you know. He went out and got his guy. And if he comes up and really interesting team, though, I mean, uh, took Strasburg in the second and then didn't take another starting pitcher until the 10th with uh, uh, David Price and then Dustin May and Keuchel. And that's his that's his starting pitchers. But he's got Hader and Giles. It's interesting. Okay, I like, uh, like the double closer setup. Balancer, Altuve, uh, Eloy, Castellanos, Brantley, McNeil. Uh, Malik Smith, Wander Franco. It's an interesting team. Okay, okay, all right. Well, you know, you know, I, Malik I, Smith wins championships. God, no, he doesn't. It's automatic loss when you have did, Malik Smith. Did you see Pianowski's tweet about that over the weekend? No, what did he say? Our, our good buddy Scott Pianowski, who we need to have on the pod at some point. That's um, great. It's a great call. Uh, he tweeted, "You want me to grade your draft for you? Sure. Do you have Malik Smith? You failed." <laughs> I hope I hope that was directed at you. I hope that was, it was subtweeting your, your existence. That I just I laughed so hard. Oh great, you failed. Yeah, you did. Malik Smith, get out of here. It's terrible. All right, John Gray. Um down here because of where he pitches, without a doubt, his talent is worthy of a much higher slotting, but that stupid, stupid park, which weirdly for a couple years at least, he was he had a reverse split where he was actually a little bit worse on the road which i, I think not... he still had that last year right oh, he did okay well that that then maybe it maybe we can't just blame it on that but either way his, then then if that's if that's the case yeah i mean for his career he's 20 points worse on the road 436 home 456 on the road 
That is really bizarre, dude. That is really bizarre. Yeah, 346, yeah, 422. Wait, yeah, that's huge. He had a 346 home ERA. I, I tracked my, because of where he pitches thing then. I mean. It's because of the walks. It certainly, Yeah, it certainly keeps the whip up regardless of where he pitches. But the 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 whip is, I think, what's killing him everywhere at this point because he doesn't go on the road and maybe be maybe attack more. Maybe that could be a, a solution for John Gray. I still think he's leaving a little something on the table strikeout-wise, but I can't really complain about a 25% career rate, 24 and a half, it rounds it up. Like, that's, that's, that's good. You know, you're talking strikeout per inning. At this point in the draft, okay. Um, I, I do think a, a peak John Gray can do more, but we don't have to worry about that necessarily. Health has been a little bit of a concern uh, with the foot. I think that got him again last year, 150 innings after 172 the year before. Going to be 28, has that weird home road split. What do we do with John Gray? Hope that he gets traded to another team. But they just can't afford to trade a sub-30 pitcher who's shown anything. As much as we would like that, it just makes... And I know that the Rockies don't make sense in general. They're they're very dumb. But nothing would be dumber than trading actual, you know, uh, team-controllable talent on the pitching side. They have them through 21. They have to, like, I don't know. It's not that's not going to happen. So does that mean that you're not drafting him? It, uh, I think I have him in one league. It, it, I think he's one of those guys that is extremely uh, draft dependent in terms of like because he's one of those guys. I at least I assume, yeah, he he's got a split of his min pick being two hundred four and his max pick being three ten. So like when he starts falling towards that three hundred mark. Then I'm like, all right, I'll take the shot. You never, I mean, but it's, he's so difficult to use because yeah. he's been all, he was awful on the road last year. He was great at home, but do you really want to start him at home? I don't want to start him no, at home. No, that's the thing. You don't feel confident about that at all. So I, I just don't know that I'm going to have a ton of shares. Uh, he's probably, I mean, he's definitely an underrated asset. It's just not going to be one that I'm willing to take the shot on because of the extreme park factors. Yeah, it's it's just really tough. And like I know he, I knew he had done some of that weird split. I did not realize it was so severe last year. That's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, John Gray, just somebody that uh, I usually just let him go and kind of see where he falls to. And I'm like, oh, okay, well. He is a weird guy, though, that I don't really get on, on any teams, but I still root for. I just I like watching him pitch. I, I want him to do well. I like to see people defeat Coors, and he kind of is, but he needs to figure out something on the road, man. Like, you can change your approach a bit, although that, that's got to be hard, too, right? You know, just mm-hmm. going back and forth between two different approaches. So maybe that's it. He's just like, I got to stick with my road appro- my home approach on the road, and uh, it's not serving him as well. I don't know. Next up is Aaron Savali for the Cleveland Indians, a guy that uh, been very high on throughout the offseason. I, I remain so. I'm, I'm definitely still in. Uh, the price is not such that I'm particularly concerned. I think this is uh, another piece in the uh, Cleveland pitching factory that could turn out to be very nice. I like uh, I like what he's got going on with his arsenal, uh, the depth of it, and kind of the maneuverability of it. The one thing he didn't really show last year was that he, he has some swing and miss. He'd shown it through all throughout the minor leagues, then came up and only 
put up a 9% mark. I think it's because he was getting out of at-bats so quickly. Uh, 210 average, 250 BABIP. Can't really expect that to continue. But I do think that we could get a, a mid-to-high threes ERA with Aaron Savali here. It could be 25 this year. I'm pretty excited by by him, and I've been taking him in a lot of leagues. How do you feel about Savali? He's a guy that I've kind of just been avoiding just because the, the projections are so bad on him and his Sierra and XFIP were awful last year. And there's just not, an, at least there hasn't been enough strikeout upside you know, that he's shown uh, yet to warrant me like, flirting with the potential downside that, you know, like I said, the projections are showing and the uh, XFIP and Sierra from last year. So he's just been a guy that I'm kind of passing over for other guys. Uh, I understand why, I mean, he's been, he's been a guy that seemingly beats his kind of underlying metrics in the minor leagues. So I can understand people wanting to buy in and I don't necessarily understand where the huge home run jump that the projection systems are kind of laying out for him, uh, are coming from from numbers. Yeah. So, uh, but this is just one of those where, like, I just don't have a strong enough feeling on the guy one way or another to warrant, you know, uh, going against what the projection systems are saying. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I look, I don't expect everyone to be bought in. And uh, if you if you are a projections person, you're not going to want to get in on Savali because you're going to see some pretty ugly numbers. But I, I, I agree. I don't really know where those come from. Like, I don't understand why he's going to have a 1-6 homer nine. He had a point six last year. Is that going to go up? Probably so. Yes. He's never had up. more than a 1.02 homer per nine in any level. Like, so like to me, like I don't get the huge jump uh, there, you know, and obviously, I mean, there's some regression coming in terms of the homer to fly ball rate from last year. That was minuscule, but uh, by all accounts, it seems like the balls aren't flying in spring training the way they have been in the regular season. So uh, if we're thinking that that's any indication of the season, maybe the balls won't fly quite as much well, um, this year. So I, again, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just not gonna have shares, but I can understand. I, I'm not gonna beat anybody up for taking shares. I mean, I think he is a, a worthy gamble. One thing I like about Savali too is uh, he leans more ground ball. He was pretty even at the majors, but for his career, he's more of a ground ball guy. But when he does get fly balls. He he induces a lot of pop-ups, and um, I think that 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 shows a a command ability that I I really like. And like I've said, I don't quite think he's Bieber, but I think he's better than like the the Adam Plutko, Josh Tomlin types that that Cleveland's had. I think he's somewhere in there. That's a wide range between Bieber and and those two guys, but I think he's somebody on the rise. I got a little green arrow next to Aaron Savali, so I'm very intrigued by him. I'm going to have some shares this year without a doubt. I already do, actually. Um, and I'm definitely going to get more. So I'll be keeping a close eye on the 25-year-old, right? He's had a little bit of a groin issue, and he's going to make his Cactus League debut on Wednesday. So I will definitely be zeroed in on that, see how my guy does. Let's move on to a guy who, my goodness, he has not been down in this range ever. Uh, and that's Chris Archer. Uh, we're down here in 71 through 75 talking about Chris Archer. Usually, if you're doing 71 through 75 talking Chris Archer, it's like an overall Mm-hmm. That's, that's his overall pick, and this is this is for starting pitchers. There was some writing on the wall, but I think that those who want to believe that they saw this coming from last year are full of shit. 
if I'm being real, <laughs> if I'm just going to be honest about it, you're full of shit, okay? You did not see a 1-9 homer 9. Um, you did not see him all of a sudden walking 11% of his batters after having a career like 7.5% mark. You just didn't see this, okay? You maybe didn't like him, and that's okay. And this is not directed at any one person. I will be a thousand percent clear about that. And I'm just going to point out the name that people might think it's directed. At. It's not directed at Ariel Cohen because he didn't say that he saw this coming. He just he jumped off quickly though. Once once it went bad, he jumped off quickly, and that's fine. That was correct. Just some just some chest thumpers out there saying that they called it before the season. I'm like, no, you didn't. You did not say that he was going to be a complete meltdown candidate like this. And I will say, in the second half, he kind of got back to what he wanted to do, Chris Archer did, and it started to pay a little bit of dividends. And I do wonder if maybe it's time to uh, to buy back in a little bit. Uh, at this cheap price, you're getting a lot of strikeouts. We've talked about a couple guys now that, hey, uh, their strikeouts are a little bit challenged. Do I want them? Well, what if you pair them with a, with a Chris Archer, who is still getting strikeouts at a 27% clip? which he did last year. Now, again, I want to be clear, the uh, the, the second half, 442 ERA, 129 is not backflip worthy, but it's a it's a far cry from where he was in the first half. It's a lot of improvement there. And when he's going this late, new regime in Pittsburgh too, by the way, if they come in and say, no, no, do your thing, dude. Don't worry about all these uh, sinkers slash two-seamers. Throw your four-seamers, lean into your slider, and do your thing. I don't know, man. There could be a little bit of a rebirth here. I'm not fully out on Chris Archer. How do you feel? I'm not out either. Uh, I probably should be. But, um, uh, I I think at least he's going to offer some strikeout upside. Uh, mm-hmm. And if he can figure out anything in that expansive part in Pitts, park in Pittsburgh, uh, like I think he could do like a 4-2 ERA and, you know, a good 27% strikeout rate. And, you know, the whip is kind of a killer, and that, that's been a killer for quite a while now. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm probably not going to have shares again, but, uh, like, I can understand people going back to that. Well, I think this is the first year he's been fairly appropriately uh, ranked. Um and I'm trying to remember where I had him in my ranks last year, but I, I was super low on him coming into the season uh, just because I felt like he, his name value kind of pushed him up because people it like definitely him. Did. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, he's a super likable guy uh, and uh, you know, people have been, you know, kind of hoping that he was going to have the bounce back uh, at some point again. And it just, it just never, it just never happened. And um, I just don't let's see. I, I just found my ranks from last year. <laughs> see where I had them last well, year, but see. and then of course my my Google Doc uh, totally crashed. But um, uh, yeah, I just well, I I can't I can't. There's so many guys in this area that I really like that again. I just I can't rationalize taking a guy like Archer. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I'm like a going out out for. Archer and saying like that's my target, but I could see myself being looking looking for strikeouts and saying okay I, I might take a shot here. I mean you're talking pick two sixty on average, ranging down to two ninety nine. It's not a bad idea, 
if you need the strikeouts, he's he's on my board. I guess is all I'm saying is that I'm I'm open to taking him. Uh, whereas if the name value was still propping him up, and he was I don't know, ten twelve pitcher picks higher, uh, which would be you know several picks in the in the overall ADP higher, then I might be out. But no, as it stands, I, I could see myself. I could see myself getting some Archer, but right now I'm not necessarily doing that. Did you figure out where you had him ranked last year? Uh, I think I'm at him like 45, oh, so man. way higher than I should have. On oh, the mighty have fallen. Yeah, no, like, I don't blame you, though. I think I probably even had him higher. I think that's right around there, though. Somewhere in that 35 to 45 range um, is probably where I had Chris Archer last year, thinking, okay, you know, it didn't go well with the Pirates um, when he first got there, but settling in, he'll be fine. Guess what? He was not fine. He was very unfine. Uh, well, let's move on to Anthony Descalfani in Cincinnati. That's a really interesting rotation this year. Lots of fantasy goodness. And Descalfani could be part of that fantasy goodness, especially at the back end of, of your own rotation, just as he's at the back end of theirs. 389 ERA, 120 whip, 24% strikeout, career best in strikeout and swing strike last year. Home runs uh, were actually a huge issue in 18 and then stayed a pretty big issue last year in a 1-6 mark after a 1-9 in 18. If you're talking, you know, you're saying that the ball isn't flying as much. If if that's true and, and the overall home runs go down a bit and we get Descalfani back into, I don't know, somewhere between 1 and 1.2, boy, that could be a lot for – that could be, you know, a half runoff of his ERA. Like, it could be that important. By the way, I want to point out big velo bump last year, too, from 95 – or 94 to 95, like a 1.1 a jump, which is pretty nice, especially added on innings, going from 115 to 166 and two-thirds. So lots to like from Descalfani here. I think he's an interesting pitcher. Um, you know, if I was debating between Archer and Descalfani, just to go with the guy we just talked about, I think I would take Descalfani. How do you feel about the 30-year-old 30, 30 righty? Uh, I mean, I really like him, and I have liked him for quite a long time. Uh, and I'm I'm surprised he's going as low as he is, considering the at least the surface numbers that he put up last year. I understand people looking at the FIP and XFIP and – Going well, he outperformed, sure, but he also, like you said, like I think got a bit unlucky in terms of how many home runs he gave up. Uh, so I'm, I, I want him to stop throwing the curveball quite as much, uh, but I think there's reasons to be very intrigued. And uh, I mean that that team in Cincinnati is going to be very good. There should be a lot of win potential for him. So I mean, he should like he's he's a guy who's never had double digit wins in spite of having two seasons with 166 innings or more uh, pitched. I think that changes this year. I think he is uh, a guy who can maintain the gains we saw uh, in strikeout in a strikeout rate. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if he if that ball is dead in it all, I mean, it doesn't have to be dead, but I mean, if it's been dead no, in it all, just I think just we're looking at a guy. That. Yeah, we're looking at a guy who can really uh, um, not necessarily take a step forward, but repeat the gains we saw last year, which is a yeah. guy with a, you know, 3-9 ERA and a strikeout in inning and, uh, you know, a decent whip. So I, I like uh, I like Descalfani a lot. And I mean lighter in terms of home run rate, not not actual weight lighter. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, I, I phrased that weirdly. Uh, and then Garrett Richards was the last guy in this in this group, and we already talked about him. Let's move on to 76 through 80. Josh James, Mackenzie Gore, Yanni Chirinos, Dylan Cease, Dallas Keuchel. So um, 
three young guys on the rise, uh, you know, kind of boring, steady guy like uh, Torinos, very similar to Yarbrough, but a righty version. And then and then a crusty old vet in Keiko. Let's start at the top with Josh James, who's very, uh, very chic pick last year, at least early in draft season. Then it started to become clear that he wasn't going to make uh, he, he was out of the fifth starters race because of an injury. And he was going to go to the bullpen. So his, his draft price plummeted. And that proved to be the right move there. He didn't really uh, do a whole lot, maybe until later in the year when, when he became a little bit more intriguing. Wound up with 61 in the third innings with a 38% strikeout rate, but 13% walk rate and a one and a half homer per nine. So he had a 470 ERA, 132 whip, 27 years old. He's the, you know, they call him Josh flames. Dude can, dude can bring it in real, real nicely. Looks to be in line for that fifth starters role. Is Josh James, somebody you want to take a gamble on? Yes. Give me all the shares of Josh James. Uh, I was out last year cause I just didn't know where he was going to find his spot in the rotation. Uh, and I was afraid he would spend all the time in the bullpen, uh, which for the most part he did. Yeah. This year they've cleared out some of that uh, that clutter, and I think he has the leg up uh, just through an outing, I believe, in which he yeah he retired all six batters he faced, uh, striking out three of them in two innings uh, against the Marlins a, a few days ago. So, uh, yeah, I mean, huge strikeout upside. He's pitching well in spring. Uh I'm very, very uh, in on Josh Key James this year. I think the upside is immense, and I think this is one of those cases where uh, I know you and I have this syndrome of we're one year too early on guys. I think the yep. industry as a whole was one year too early on Josh James. Agreed. And he's priced to buy, and I still think there's some wiggle room where if he goes up, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily be afraid of buying still. Mm-hmm. 268 right now. If he does lock in the fifth starters role, it's going to go up. We'll see where it goes to. He's got a huge range right now, 205 to 356. What's kind of your breaking point on Josh James where you're like, okay, I got to pull the pull the, uh, pull the the cord. I don't really want to go here. If he's up at that 205 to 220 range, are you still buying? Mm. To give you an idea, uh, that would be between – that would be Heaney, Stroman, Musgrove, Urquidy, Puck range. Yeah, I think that's probably a spot I'm not going to necessarily take him. But, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm going to do an auction league at some point this year, like a mixed auction, where I just take all of these guys. Like, this is going to be my rotation. Uh, Because there's so many guys. I love Heaney. I love Musgrove. uh, I love Keller. uh, You know, Hauser's interesting. uh, You know, love Garrett Richards. Love Descalfani. Love Josh James. Love Gore. Love oh, Cease. Like, just, yeah, just give me, except for Dylan Bundy, give yeah. me a whole rotation of these guys with one stud. Like, I'll spend the money on DeGrom, and then I'll just fill up the rest of my rotation with these guys yep. and, and have just a massive offense. Uh, so, like, it, I don't I don't necessarily, I wouldn't take him over Heaney or Musgrove uh, or even Mitch Keller, but, like, I don't have a problem with him going in that area. Okay, yeah, and so we'll, we'll monitor that with Josh James. Where he's at right now, buying. If he goes up, we'll kind of we'll kind of keep a close eye on it as as his price rises. All right, next up is Mackenzie Gore. Now, he doesn't have a spot right now, Justin, um, and he's not Chris Paddocking spring training right now. Uh, I don't know that he's going to. I think I think Paddock kind of did it from the jump. I think it's one of those things that if you're going to do it, you have to just be like off rip 
your first outing. Oh my God, he did this. And then the second outing, he did that. I don't even know how much Mackenzie Gore's pitched. If I'm being honest, I do not know how much he's pitched in spring training or if he even has yet. But there's a lot of love for him. And I get it. Um, even even if he doesn't start with a spot, that's why his price is is down here. But the expectation is that he can he can arrive quickly. Even as somebody who finished just in double A last year, he's one of the very best pitching prospects in baseball. By some outlets, the very best ahead of Forrest Whitley after his tough year last year. Um, so Mackenzie Gore did get the non-roster invite. Lefty, 21 years old, just in a brilliant season at high in double A last year. What's your outlook on him? And is this a guy that you're going to take? And keep in mind, NFBC, you have to just park him there as a reserve. So he's just eating a reserve almost as an injured guy until he comes up. This would be another guy, by the way, to keep an eye on the uh, the Dustin May thing that I talked about earlier if he gets drafted and then cut if it takes too long. But how do you feel about Mackenzie Gorn? What's your realistic timeline for him with the Padres? I think he is going to be up pretty early. Uh, give, me, give me an idea of pretty early. Give me I a range at least. I, I won't hold you to like a date or anything. I'm not a psychopath, but like, get, give me a, give me a range. Uh, hmm, is not uh, pitched I, in spring, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he's supposed to make his major league debut tomorrow, or his uh, spring training debut tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. I believe I'm, I'm double Tomorrow's checking. The third. If it's, I can check that while you give us. I'm hold. Don't 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 try to look up something to get off of given a range. Sure. Give us a range uh, right now, man. Okay, I I think he is going to be up uh before May. Like okay. I I think he's in okay. that first wave of guys and uh and I'm drafting so you're him that saying way. Like twenty five innings in AAA, he just kicks ass. Mm-hmm. And they say, get up here because Garrett Richards is hurt and Justin's a dipshit for taking him. I I don't <laughs> I don't think they want to expose him to triple A hitting for super long. Like what's the I point? Like he's, he's clearly uh, you know, a future ace in their eyes. Well, and, and and this is the thing with pitching prospects, dude. You can't play the normal well, he didn't go to triple A and he has to. Teams will deem that their guys are ready and say we're not going to send you to triple. We're not going to send you to El Paso to get your brain beaten in for five starts, mm-hmm. lose your confidence or something. If you don't waste bullets in the minors with pitchers, it just doesn't make sense. You can kind of always get better as a hitter. I mean, obviously there's a certain cutoff. You wouldn't leave a prospect baking until he's like 28 being like, he can always get better as a hitter, but you know what I mean? Like you can kind of keep improving against off speed stuff or improve your defense. But with a pitcher, once you're kind of in that peak, even if you're only 20 or 21 as Gore is, Get up in the majors and use those bullets there. So I hear mm-hmm. you on this. You're saying up in the first wave. So the first six, seven mm-hmm. weeks of the season, that's that's not bad, dude. And then what what is your expectation of his performance realistically? Obviously, we know the upside is immense. I will say in double A, he did have a 415 and 129 ERA whip combo for Gore. The walks went up a little bit. The strikeouts came down, but he still had a 15% swinging strike rate. He still only allowed a 247 average, which is nice. But the, the uh, homer per nine went up a little bit to 1.3. As it, you know, he kind of figured it was 21 and two thirds. I don't want to overrate that for Mackenzie Gore, but he was really nasty last year. So what would you expect if you get five months out of him? Uh, I think you're looking at like a guy who is a mid to highs three ERA guy with uh, over a strikeout an inning 
and a like a one two five type whip. Okay. I so, I think there's potential. He's an absolute stud right away. But well, that that's true. But then I would say even maybe the downside isn't necessarily devastation. I mean, it, that's always in the cards. I don't want to mm-hmm. rule that. I'm not going to say his downside is only four thirty. Like, of course, it could be a six, and he's back in El Paso yeah. in five seconds. But if he pitches that long, and they're they you know they're not uh, worried that he's failing b- big time. It could be like if you're getting like a four thirty-five and a one thirty, mm-hmm. but you're getting a boatload of strikeouts. You're getting good starts, and maybe then you kind of manage Mackenzie Gore, or maybe he starts off a little wobbly. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot to like here, and I understand why there's the interest. I've this is a recent development, meaning the last couple of years, a guy like this I would have never considered because I w- I was the stodgy idiot who's like, well, he's never even been to AAA. He only has twenty-one and two-thirds. The major league, uh, the minor league timetables just aren't the same anymore things are different and that's important here with Mackenzie Gore so I'll, I'll let you finish talking about him here but I, I'm I'm pretty excited by by this pitcher uh yeah I uh I, I just think he has a ton of upside and I think the Padres as an organization and as a front office have a lot of pressure on them they do they do it's it's time it's time to do something they've had some good off seasons they had the big good off season a few years back um you know, they, they did some good things this year as well. They've made a lot of trades. They've got some good pieces. They, you know, Paddock was a huge, the, the Paddock and Tatis thing worked last year in terms of those two performing. Now, Tatis got hurt, missed half the year. You can't really project that. But in terms of taking the gamble and bringing those two up from Jump Street, they did their part. The rest of the team did not come along with them. And the, so they still had a disastrous 70 and 92 season. Does that make you? If you're an organization, if you were running an organization, would that make you gun shy about bringing guys up like that and just get the two weeks and, and get that extra year? Or do you feel like, hey, the, the process worked, everything else didn't coalesce around them? I think that they don't want to. I mean, this is a team that wants to fight for a playoff spot. And if they feel like these guys are going to make an impact in terms of winning games early on, then they're going to make that move. I don't, I think that they're less, they've got so much minor league depth uh, that like, who cares if these guys hit arbitration a year early? I mean, if you weren't going to save it for Paddock and Tatis, why are you going to save it for other guys? Just go go ahead, put your best team on the field. So that way you're not fired before this team comes together. Exactly. And with, with Richards healthy right now um, and, and getting Zach Davies, they don't need they can actually do it with Gore without without just manipulating it like straight away. Patrick Richards, Davies, Lucchese, Lamette is a perfectly solid five. You're not putting somebody in there who's super undeserving at the expense of Gore. Now, if Gore had, you know, put up 90 innings at AAA last year and he was very clearly ready, then you could make that argument. But as it stands right now, it's very plausible to say, no, he, we want him to get a little taste of AAA, see what's what, and kind of go from there. So they will be able to get that extra year from him because he won't come up for a couple weeks. I agree with you there. We're pretty intrigued. I will ask the same question, though. You said he's going to debut soon. And, um, you know, it, the hype could get up up there if he starts to pitch well in spring training. What's your max pick, or um, what's your min pick? I guess what's the lowest uh, lowest number you would take? Sorry, it's confusing with the low high type mm-hmm. of deal. But what's the earliest? How about that? What's the earliest you would take Gore? And I'll tell you right now, his earliest is one eighty seven, and his ADP is two seventy one. So where are you at? Where, where's that first step? There you go. 
F and I'll take Gore right here. 220. Okay. So that's right after that group that I mentioned last time with um, yeah. with what's his head. I, I can't rationalize taking him over Musgrove, taking him over Heaney, or even probably taking him over Keller. But right after that, I'm going, okay, I, I can rationalize taking you. I don't have to, at least not right now. But, that but, may if, you, change. but if you're ready to it's, jump, you, you can go for it. Yeah, um, his appearance looks like it's going to be Thursday. So okay. we still got a few more days before. So if you've got drafts here in the next few days... Uh, like, I don't think you need to take him before 250. Uh, and in some cases, you know, I mean, later than that. So, I mean, he's, Agreed. he's gone as late as 356. So, I mean, I, I'm usually waiting till about pick 300 before I take the shot. Um, and you know, he's going right next to Josh James. So I'm, I'm going to take James over him, uh, uh, still, but I think there is a ton of upside. And if I haven't, if I haven't taken a lot of injury players or a lot of minor league players, then I'm taking the shot on Gore. If I oh, have yeah. that, if I've like, you've got to be careful about like taking him. If you've already taken Adele, if you've already, you know, taken Stanton or other injury guys. So, but if I've got some of the boring guys, like the aforementioned Yarbrough and, and even some of the higher end boring guys that I'm like, okay, the, they don't usually get hurt. I don't expect them to be hurt. And I need a little flash and dash here. Let me let me get a Mackenzie Gore. So basically, with that ADP that you gave him, you're basically saying you would take him over everybody we've discussed today. Yes. Um, th- at your earliest, that's the the highest you mm-hmm. jump. But you'd take James first anyway, so you'd also move him up above everybody we've talked about today. Okay. Next up is Yanni Chirinos, and again, it's basically it's essentially a right-handed Yarbrough in terms of profile. There are things that are different. He throws much harder at 94. Um, I think that I, I like his his arsenal a little bit more. I think it's a little bit more diverse because of the fastball. And when he was starting as, as a true starter, I think it went a little bit better. I don't, I I will say this. He's, he's the cheaper of the two. I don't need Chirinos to be following an opener as much as I really do for, to want to take Yarbrough. I I think there's a little bit safer of a uh, floor with Chirinos and the fact that he's the cheaper of the two, I'm more apt to take him. But it is still a little bit of a boring pick where you're kind of getting some quality whip, decent ERA, and hopefully some win upside with the Tampa Bay Rays. How do you feel about Yanni Chirinos? Yeah, I feel the same way that I did about Yarborough. I just I, he's not going to end up on any of my teams. I just don't think uh, he's an interesting enough pick for the guys who are going in the same spot or or later than him. So just okay. not going to end up with him. Just yeah, yeah. Again, I would. I would, if you like these two guys, just take the cheaper. Mm-hmm. Just just take the cheaper one. And right now, it's often Chirinos. And I think he's the better of the two. All right, this next guy is one I would take over Gore. I was, I was hinting at him earlier as somebody I would I would take. But uh, I do like Gore, but I like Dylan Cease even more. Because he's going to be there from day one. He's a bit more battle-tested. I feel like I can have a little bit more confidence in what he's going to do this year. I want to see some development. I'm nervous that, you know... White Sox development isn't that great. Lucas Giolito is not a check mark for them. He did that on his own. Uh, so I'm hoping Dylan Cease, you know, figured some things out as well. Uh, the one thing that people are saying, like some of the uh, articles and stuff are saying is like, if he just cuts his walk rate, got to kind of get that out of our heads. I don't think the walk rate's going to come way down. That would be an upset. I would love to see it. That's been in his game forever. He's always been a double-digit walk guy. I think the best you're going to get is somewhere like eight and a half, nine percent, maybe shave it down from eleven percent. 
But I think the strikeouts could really amp up. What I do need to see, though, is home runs cut down. He never gave up homers in the minors. The worst stop he ever had was a .63 in 71 and two-thirds in high eight. And then last year, he gives up a 1.9. He's like, damn, the majors are a lot harder than the minors, dude. This sucks. What's this stupid ball that we're using? Um, so he had a 579 ERA, 155 whip. Why do you like this guy, Paul? Well, 24-year-old uh, right-handed prospect, throws 97, has four pitches, four legit pitches. Change up a little bit of a show-me, but um, it's it's in the arsenal. And I just think that there's development here. 73 innings, getting battle tested. I'm not going to go just off of that and say that's who this guy is. I think I'm buying on on the upside here with Dylan Cease. Do you feel the same? I do. I like Dylan Cease a lot. I've already got a number of shares. I will continue to get shares because he drops in drafts uh, quite a bit. Uh, I think there's obviously a ton of risk, and we saw what can go wrong last year in the 73 uh, innings, but you know you're going to get strikeouts. I think the uh, White Sox are going to push him. I think they need to start making decisions on who are going to be long-term members of this rotation yep. and who are going to be shifted to the bullpen long-term. And so I think he's a guy that they should be able to get to 140 innings this year. And if he does that, he's going to deliver uh, 150, 160 strikeouts. Uh, and I think he can deliver a upper threes uh era and uh the whip is is gonna be questionable be a little challenging uh, yeah it yeah. might be pushing 130 but that's i'm planning for that and again mm-hmm. if, I, if i do get any walk upside or if he, heaven you know if, if things really break out and he just cuts his hit rate to where the walks aren't even killing his whip that'd be great that'd be the ideal world but i'm planning for whip pain with era and strikeout upside um, with Dylan Cease and, and a big innings boost. Listen, I've done this with Reynaldo Lopez, and if it doesn't go well, I, I, I didn't take all of Reynaldo Lopez's crap last year, you know, like 530, 80. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to jump off. Like, Cease gets a month to six weeks, depending on how it's going, right? You know, you don't, if, it, if it's not, if he's not ready this year, you're not taking all of it. So it's, it's not the mm-hmm. end of the world to take the shot because of what can be. Um, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that he could become Lucas Giolito because I don't necessarily think he can, but he can be a damn fine pitcher, and I really like him. And his price is he's priced to buy for sure. And maybe, and if I mean he, he's also uh, he's also been working on changing the delivery a little bit, and this started at the end of last season. Um, and so, if you're a buyer into that, yep. uh, his last three starts, he threw 14 and a third, uh, 17 strikeouts. 188 ERA last year at, in those last three starts. So nice finish uh, for Cease. Yeah, I mean, still had way too many walks. Walks are going to be a problem for him. Uh, but if he can limit the home runs, which I think he can do, you're getting a ton of strikeout upside. You know, those walks won't hurt quite as much. And you know, I, I don't ever want to put too much stock into this because you never know. Maybe guys don't even click. You can't assume a guy is going to come in and teach everybody stuff. Mm-hmm. But Dallas Keuchel has, and so does Gio Gonzalez. Now they're both lefties, so I don't know if there's like a good lefty righty, uh, you know, uh, help factor there or not. I imagine there is. Like uh, I'm sure there's pitching coaches who, who are one hand and they can teach guys the other hand stuff. But those are two guys that are are very friendly and and uh, can often help. Uh, I know Gio Gonzalez was credited with being very helpful around Washington uh, with with the young guys that they had. 
So I wonder if maybe one of these two gets his ear or both and say, hey, you got some amazing stuff, man. If you do this little something, a little something here. And I, I like I like stuff like that. Again, I don't put it into my rankings and like shoot a guy way up. It's just stuff I keep in mind that could happen. Soft mm-hmm. factors that could change, especially because, again, I'm not super confident in what in um, Chicago's management abilities to cultivate their pitchers. I need outside factors like even Giolito um, or Keiko Lope, uh, Keiko and Gio um, Gonzalez, I should say, the veterans kind of getting the ear of a young buck. Speaking of, Keiko's our next guy. And he's actually going to be our last guy today. We're going to go ahead and cap it right here because we're approaching uh, just over an hour and a half. So we'll, we'll stop right here after this one. But Dallas Keiko, I already know what you're going to say because if you're not taking Ryan Yarbrough, you're definitely not taking Dallas Keiko. I guarantee you're going to find him too boring to take down here. But I'll let you say it for yourself. What do you think of Dallas Keuchel at age 32 down here with the White Sox? Okay, so he is boring. However, <laughs> how uh, if he's healthy, he's probably going 180 to 200 innings. That, and, and that that's different is, than Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And that boringness becomes an asset uh, because the floor is very, very safe. And if you have a lot of... Uh, you know, risk within your rotation already yeah. on your team. He's okay. like that perfect uh, stabilizer for your ratios. So Surprise like, you know, you're going to get, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I talk about like, we're, we'll talk about next episode, Kyle Gibson. He's another yeah. one of these guys that like, he's not going to quote unquote, win you your league, but you need these glue guys for, for the guys that you are, can't... you know, they are high. Yeah. Especially, and, and we've gotten a little NFBC centric. I will admit that. So it, it, it is league dependent. And I want to say that if you're in 10, 12 team and you can churn a bunch, you can kind of play it. But remember, know yourself. Do you want to play the upkeep all year? If you don't want to play super upkeep on your pitching, you plug in some of these glue guys that stabilize you and then you make a few, you can make fewer moves. You still have to be diligent and pay attention to your team. But if you're not there on a daily league making moves every single day and, and trying to get all the young guys who who pop, okay, that's fine. Get yourself a Keiko. Get yourself a Kyle mm-hmm. Gibson who isn't dealing with um, what was it, diverticulitis or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that is important, and I agree. Okay, cool. I I, I thought you were going to go Yarbrough there, but your point about the innings is especially important. He only threw 112 and two thirds last year, but that was because his free agency went south because mm-hmm. no one wanted to pay him based on the draft pick, so he didn't sign until late. When when he's out there and healthy, he is an easy buck 80, if not 210 even. Like, he could, he could range all the way up to 210. So that could be interesting. Okay, so he could kind of be the uh, the old Mark Burley style that they had. He's, he's exactly. basically filling in that role. Yeah, and I, I think that this is a team that is young and up and coming, and that rotation is fairly young. Uh, mm-hmm. or at least with you know, C. Three Lopez. young bucks, two two old lefties, and Keiko and, and Geo, and they want those those old lefties to take innings. Yes, they you do. know they they need to take the pressure off the bullpen, which uh, you know is strong at the back end, maybe not as strong at the you know the, the front end. So they need these guys to soak up innings uh, in Geo or uh, in Geo uh, uh, Gonzalez and uh, and Keiko. So like I. I think that it's he hasn't had a an ERA over four um, once or once o- in sixteen o- yeah. since yeah. twenty fourteen. So yeah. once in the last six years is what you're it's, gonna say. It's been fantastic. He's been fantastic. He he's the guy that beats the 
uh, the underlying metrics all the time. So he's mm-hmm. going to beat his FIP and his XFIP and his Sierra. Uh, so like, don't you know? You're going to go look at his projections and go, "Oh, I don't want this guy," um, even though they're actually not that bad. Uh, he's going to beat those. Uh, it won't be by a huge margin, but it'll be by enough. And uh, two hundred innings of a four ERA, like that, means something. It 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 has uh, again and. We are in a PC centric, but a 15 team mixer mm-hmm. that has value. And he hasn't done well with the whip the last two years. I want to see, I'm eager to see if he can get back into being more of a whip asset this year, too. Now, part of that would be the defense helping him. And we know that Tim Anderson's not the best at shortstop, but uh, Moncada, uh, I don't know what Nick Madrigal's defensive profile looks like, but he's going to be at second for the most part, right? He's not going to start yeah. the season. But uh, Murray uh, he, Garcia, he'll, he'll be up in that first first wave. Yeah. So you know, if the defense can can turn his batted balls into outs, another thing too about a guy who can go 200 plus innings, uh, especially with a meager strikeout rate like his, it becomes less of a problem when he's piling up the innings. The only way that that becomes an issue is if you have an innings limit, because then it does become essentially a K per nine league. But if you don't have a limit, his 200 innings of getting 150 strikeouts, well, then he's right there. You know, with Guys around him getting 150 that are getting it in 150 innings. So magical, okay. magical rates out as an above average to plus defender. Okay, great. And if if like let's not suggest that Tim Anderson can't make any improvements either. He's not locked 100. percent supposed to be a very good defender before he got up. So yeah. I mean. So if 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 he improves, then all of a sudden they've got a nice infield. Turn those ground balls into outs. The White Sox got a lot of hype around them. Don't forget the the old crusties with their team. Uh, that includes the offensive side too, of like uh, Jose Abreu and Edwin Encarnacion, but also Luke Gilito, or excuse me, um, Gio uh, Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel. I, I, I like both of them. We'll talk maybe Gio Gonzalez way later, but uh, we're gonna cut it here. We'll do twenty more guys uh, next time, up to a hundred, and then we'll each bring five guys going after a hundred that we like. Mm-hmm. How's, how's that sound? Sounds great. So we'll do five parts on pitchers, and then we'll get into first base uh, at the, the episode after this this one on Wednesday. All right? Yeah. And Sounds then fantastic. We are not too long from hanging out with each other in New York. Oh, I can't wait. And Very I, you know, about that. it's my last week of work at the old job. I got some yep. time off. So we can do some longer episodes or maybe some extra episodes. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll be doing extra episodes. In a bunch of different spots. Uh, They just released Fantasy Pros, you know, uh, ranking the rankings from last year. And our boy Ariel Cohen finished first. Had a baby, Ariel. So if if, if you you weren't buying in on ATC, uh, you should. You should be using ATC. Yeah, because he was the number one ranker uh, on Fantasy Pros last year. You might need to reconsider if you, if you weren't in. And those are all on the player pages, y'all. You go mm-hmm. click on it right now. Click on Dallas Keuchel here. Let's see what ATC says about old Keuch. Uh, uh Shouldn't call him that. Um, old Keuchel. Uh 179 innings of a 414 ERA and 136 whip. Whip's a little high. 414 ERA, like you said, for 179 innings. That's not awful. That's not mm-hmm. awful. And if you could chisel that whip down just to like a 129, 130 mark, that would be pretty useful. But uh, all right, man. Well, we'll be, we'll be in touch. And uh, I like that idea of doing a little bit more, uh, some more episodes here in March while you're off work. So let me know when that officially happens and we will uh, we'll schedule. All right. Take it all easy. Right. Peace.